So you'll just have like the Italian person going like Magic Bullet, or and, and in the background you hear this American guy going the Magic Bullet. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living, and learning languages. Hello, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk, and together with today's guest, I'm bringing you interesting stories and insights all about learning another language. This week's show is sponsored by Drops, the playful new language learning app. Drops is a way of engaging wordplay and mnemonic association to help you learn one of 31 languages. It is a beautiful app available on Android and on iOS, but it's not just a pretty face, but also extremely efficient with its selection of 2000 words that you can learn in the app and that cover 90% of everyday word usage. Drops makes language learning app use exciting and fast paced with its word games and it's guaranteed to become one of those apps that you use every day. Something particularly cool about this app is that it imposes a time limit on how long you can use it for. So instead of spending an hour lost in an app, which isn't efficient and also makes you feel like you don't ever have time to start it again, Drops actually leaves you wanting more as you come back to work on your next small and powerful language session. To try our sponsor Drops and play with your words today, look for Language Drops in the App or Play Store or simply head to languagedrops.com to try out this award-winning new language app. It's free to use for everybody and there are no restrictions on the languages you can study. So that's languagedrops.com and I guarantee you it's going to become one of those apps that you just use every day. Thank you, Drops. So let's talk about subtitle freedom, the topic of today's episode. We're in the golden age of television, I hear. And I must say, I love to watch a little bit of episodic storytelling television. I've been a fan since all the way back when I was watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And once, because I'm a French learner, I actually switched Buffy into French. And then I stopped very quickly because the dubbing was, uh, it, it just really put me off. The characters had even had different names. The voices were all different. It really interfered with my enjoyment. So there's one way that you can get a better in enjoyment of television in your target language, of films in your target language, and that is to work with subtitles. But there are many misconceptions and rumors around subtitles. Do they maybe damage your language learning? Could they put you off? Could they set you back? Could they stop you from learning a language because you're just focusing on the subtitles? My guest this week, Cara Leopold from Leo Listening, is an expert when it comes to that particular question or all of those questions about subtitles. And we had an engaging and very, very interesting conversation all about subtitles, when to start using them, when you can stop using them perhaps, and how to make that transition between going from a subtitle viewer to a non-subtitle viewer. The listening tips are really applicable to 
any language that you can learn. And I took plenty of notes away. So you're going to absolutely enjoy this interview with Kara, which I'm going to drop in right now. Kara Leopold, hello. Hello, Kirsten. Hey, welcome to the Fluent Show. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I'm, to I'm talking to Kara today and Kara is all about helping people fall She says back in love, so fall in love or fall back in love with TV and cinema by helping people enjoy their favorite films and series through subtitle freedom. So today we're going to talk about this idea of getting free from subtitles. And Kara, you teach English? Do you live in England as well? No, no, I don't. So I, yeah, I'm teaching English. That's an important point. And uh, yeah, I live in France. Uh, and I've been here for 11 years in the city of Besançon, which is an hour from the Swiss border. So it's almost, How did you get to France? Tell uh, me more about that. Took the boat, or I, I can't even remember how I, I must have taken the boat initially. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I studied uh, French at university, part of my, part of my studies, and then we had a, a kind of like a, not an Erasmus exchange, but more like a teaching exchange. So the university here in Besançon, in theory, used to send us someone to teach like French conversation classes. And then in return, we would send a couple of, so one, no, just one person <laughs> over to the university here in France to teach English. So um, as somebody who desperately wanted to Uh, leave the UK at the end of my uh, studies and, and come and live in France for a while. That was a, an amazing opportunity because you come over, you've got a job, um, you've got money, you've got, you know, it's, I think it's better than like, you know, just uh, the Erasmus year where you have to go and then come back. Not that I did one, but I'm just, you know, this has been like, I came over and now it's been 11 years. So I think that's quite a good deal. Like, um, Yeah. Isn't it? So where does the love of France, where did that come from? Did you always, always love French? Um, well, not, not until I started, um, learning it. Like I, I didn't really, um, let me think. I think as a kid, like once when I was five, we went to France. Uh, and then otherwise we would go to Spain or, you know, go on holiday in, in the good old UK. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't until, um, We moved to, uh, so originally, 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 I'm from Scotland. And then when I was 11, almost 12 years old, we moved to England. And um, because the education systems are different, I sort of suddenly found myself in secondary school, not primary school, because in Scotland, you have seven years of primary uh, England six. So I suddenly found myself in a secondary school, like, two months from the end of term and having to learn French very quickly to catch up with everybody else in the class. And, uh, oh, wow. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the other subjects weren't easy. Well, I suppose maths, English, whatever, obviously you do them at primary school and it was about the same level, but because you have all these new subjects, including languages that you don't really do at primary school, at least not in my uh t epoch <laughs> um yes yeah, so i had to learn french really quickly but i really i really liked it i really i thought it was 
I don't know. I thought it was easy and, uh, I thought it was easy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, uh, took to it really, uh, quickly and easily. Um, even if like the following year I had loads of gaps in my knowledge, um, because I hadn't, you know, uh, you know, there's the things I just hadn't learned, but, um, I always found it quite, uh, easy. And, uh, cause I was good at French. I got to do German too, but that was never, that was never like, Mm. It never, it never flowed as well, you know, like, um, by the time I was 16, like I could chat to someone in French. I'm sure it sounded very bad, but I mean, like I could babble away and in German and just couldn't <laughs> just thinking too much about my cases and my verbs. And yeah, this is something I continuously hear about from people. This idea, this sort of crazy logic that that the English school system seemed to have in it. To, to, mm. to me, this is a, a somewhat crazy logic, which is if you if we try to teach you French and you perform mm. well in French, then we take that as a sign that you are going to be good at German. That, that there is so much in there that, that I would I would really, really critique, which is this the, you know the assumption that mm. you care about German in the same way you care about French. The assumption that German and French is the same thing. Mm. And and the assumption that that languages it, it 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 sort of implies that people think languages are an innate talent that you're either good at or not. Well, I don't know. I thought I was pretty innately uh, good. I mean, I don't really. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to. Yeah, I suppose German makes me like question that a bit. And obviously, if when you get a bit further along in a language, you're like, oh, this sucks. This is hard. Um, <laughs> certainly been frustrated with it, but I, to be honest, yeah, I was quite quick on the uptake with language and learning through kind of, even the way, like, even, you know, you can imagine what it's like. You're learning a foreign language. You're in the UK. It's the late nineties. There's not really the internet. There's no, uh, nobody championing learning foreign languages, nobody encouraging you. You're not traveling to the countries that you, are learning the languages of like there's no there's nothing really to particularly encourage you but I sort of mm -hmm. ma made it anyway so I think there's yeah sort of a bit of a bit of intrinsic ability and and then that gave me the motivation to continue but only for French and not German so there's obviously not um not probably not some kind of like language gene or something um although I still managed to perform quite well in German for for what the the school requires but certainly um yeah not easy and actually the reverse was true in our school because some people they started with german initially and if they were good at german they got to do french mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. again it's like if you're good at one language you must be good at you was, you'll, you'll be good at them <laughs> all and you're i bet it's, a, it's a, i suppose it's a good opportunity i don't really know why i continued with german because i did it right up to age 16 so it's the the logic i mean the logic is is I think only breaks down when you look at it the other way around and you speak to people who said, oh, I really wanted to do German, but I wasn't good at French. Ah. <laughs> so they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me have a go at German, even though I've, I had the motivation because I wasn't good at French. Yeah, that's totally stupid. And then you're thinking, yeah. what? When mm. I look at it that way around, it makes no sense. So, Cara, mm. French, obviously your, your first love. Does it make you happy when you speak French? Ah, uh, yeah, it feels good. But like now it doesn't like, it's just, another mm. language I speak because it's embedded in my like daily uh life so mm -hmm. it's not even 
I don't know, it's just there all the time now. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as special. Maybe, I don't know. Or does it feel special every time? It's hard to say when you live somewhere for so long. Uh, and it just becomes natural and normal. Like, who was I saying that to earlier? Like when I used to speak French, like it used to like, it used to make my mouth hurt, like my jaw hurt, you know, cause in French you have all these vowels that are either very at the front of your mouth or really at the back. And in English, we're more in the middle quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I used to like feel not like f- awful physical pain, but I would like finish speaking in French and switch back to English and be like, ah, my jaw hurts. And like now with the muscle memory and the just, habit it, it it doesn't you know it doesn't hurt <laughs> it doesn't yeah hurt. I can relate to that I yeah does that, that like just so yeah so sometimes I think well oh, maybe I should learn something else or maybe I should but I mean I do forget things in French um because my boyfriend will sometimes because he's French and he'll sometimes say to me like you know concordance des temps or, you know, when I make some sort of awful mistake with a subjunctive or something. And I was like, uh, what? What did I say? And I was like, there's no way I said that wrong. And he's like, you did. You just made like a clangor of a, gram- <laughs> a grammar. But it corrects me because it's relatively infrequent or gender as well. But that's like more frequent. But then I just point out how illogical it all is. Um yeah, and oh, how generous! How generous to have a native speaker to correct you yeah, as well. Yeah, he just yeah, no, he's not. He's not that bad. He actually no, he's usually quite complimentary. And um, uh, yeah, like it, I had a period where I seemed to have to write like a lot of letters in French, like administrative letters to sort out bureaucratic problems. And mm. I, I used to get him to check them, and then after a while, he was like, "Your letter writing is really good. I barely have to." I barely have to correct or change anything. So that made me feel good. Master of the sort of bureaucratic. Um, master of the letter. <laughs> master of the letter. But even he didn't know, like, because in French, you have very convoluted sort of formulae for addressing people in writing in letters and these really weird closing expressions. So like I've taught sort oh, of. Oh yeah, like three lines long. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I rest yeah, in, in, in yeah. a severe longing to see you again. <laughs> All this crazy. So he would just be, he would go on the internet and he would check. Okay. So you're writing a letter to the unemployment office. You use this one. You're writing a letter to uh, get housing benefit. You write, you, you use this one. You're writing a letter to the tax people. You use that. Like it varies according to the administration you're writing to. It's really weird. And I remember at one point I was teaching like commercial correspondence in English to French students. And I was like, right, there's two ways to close your letter. You can write yours sincerely or yours faithfully. And the only thing it depends on is whether or not you know the name, like the Mm -hmm. last name of the person. And they really had a hard time remembering this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Have you seen, (laughs) have you tried to write a letter in French? Like you have to go through pages of model letters to find the particular one that you need and. Yeah, um, I did French business correspondence uh, um, in, in yeah. Abitur and then after. And I have this one book. Um, it's called, I think it's called Le Lettre des Affaires. Mm. And it, it it was my Bible. It was like, if you want to pass an exam, you basically just, these letters, these letters, these letters. And it just has, like you say, it's a book of model letters. And it was just the best thing they made us buy. And actually, I worked in a English company, but dealing with a lot of French clients. Mm. 
And all the time I had this book on my desk. This is like three years after I graduated. It was still there and I just had it. I used it all the time in a company because French letter writing is 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 crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what French people are doing that as well. It's more online nowadays. A, a bit, same thing for checking some kind mm. of strange verb conjugations. You have tons of websites where you can double check the conjugations, of, you know, because people do struggle with their own grammar in French, uh, which I find. Like fascinating, like there's a real problem with people distinguishing between the future and the conditional, even though they're spelled differently and pronounced differently. Like, oh, there's terrible mistakes with that um, that you you see a lot. Like, if you you know, yeah, well, they both have weird R's in that are just kind of adding. They just have this bit of stem and that bit of stem. That's French grammar. So let me ask you, (laughs) (laughs) this is like the French grammar whinge cast. Yeah, what? Uh, <laughs> Let me ask you what is um because you're you're into you're into television and you're mm. into films. Mm. So let's start with French. What could you recommend to to French learners? What's like hot hot on the well, uh, hot off the off the press, the French press? The irony is that French oh, French press. French TV <laughs> French TV is awful. Like um no. I I have a I, there's a guy I I know he's a he's a an English teacher, you know, in in the same region and he he refuses to pay his TV license. Like he just he doesn't have a TV because he thinks French TV is so awful. It's like to give you so like what we end up watching on French because my um my partner likes to have the TV on in the evening and so we'll end up watching things like old reruns of Charmed with uh in in French. Oh dear. You know the series with the, the yeah the hot the hot witch sisters. So uh, we'll end up watching yeah because like I, but I have to admit as I was in Germany last week and I have to say there's also reruns Not of much better in German and it was hard to put any of the channels in English. I was disappointed by uh, by Germany. I thought it would be <laughs> I thought it would be better. You know I thought there'd be more options at least for putting old reruns of. Star Trek Deep Space Nine or Charmed into English, because obviously I can't really appreciate it very much in German. Um, but anyway, so French TV is a lot of old repeats of series. That said, uh, one of the series I really like, and it's not a recent one, there's a really funny series called Ash, Ash, and it's like a medical comedy, if that exists. Yeah, I guess it does exist because you have Scrubs. But Ash was the series by um, Jumaine Debouze, who's a well-known stand-up comedian, with um, a guy called Eric Judor. And mm-hmm. the third guy, whose name I can't remember, so Hams- yeah, they had this stupid comedy where they were like all working in a hospital. And it's really silly. And it's very, very funny. And it's the kind of thing that is worth watching because like a lot of the kind of jokes or plays on words or like deliberate mistakes they would make with French. Like they've kind of come into the language. Like it's sort of the thing that people will like maybe quote bits of it at you. And um, so I like watching that, but it's like 20 years old now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really. Well, what about cinema? What about cinema? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, again, so like when I was learning French, like, so obviously like, people go on about French films. So I was like, well, I'll watch some of the sort of, um, what do you call that movement in French cinema? Like Godard and all that, like kind of Nouvelle Vague cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice, but actually what, again, what most people watch is really silly comedies and a, a lot of these sort of silly comedies are basically on tv like every two weeks like they're, they're just constantly repeated so things like um 
les bronzés, les bronzés font du ski, which are really like mythical comedies. And again, people will quote lines from them at you. And, um, uh, yeah, just really, yeah, like just really silly. Like you think their cinema is really sophisticated. Um, but actually, uh, but what people really watch is the just the silly, um, comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. So hope that doesn't disappoint anybody <laughs> regarding French French cinema. No, not at all. But I, you know that there is there is always the the desire, and I'm I'm feeling it right now with mm. with my Welsh. So I'm in Welsh. I'm probably at a level, and um, I'm sort of you know somewhere in the bee. I'm at the bee mm. forest, <laughs> just making my way through the bee forest, and probably will be for the next years. But you know, I can I can understand things in Welsh. I can sort of understand the radio. I'm a, I'm at a gist level. Mm. You know, when people talk. If people talk normal Welsh, I get the gist. I think my listening skills are fine because I sort of get the gist. Mm. But at the same time, I think maybe my listening skills are rubbish because sometimes I've got no idea what they're on about. Uh. Or, or I, maybe I have an idea what they're on about, but I don't actually understand enough of the words. Or you know that thing when somebody speaks at normal speed and you know the word and then you get completely distracted because you sort of know this word. Mm. But it takes you so long focusing on what was that word again that by the time you figure out what the word was or you give up, they're about five sentences ahead. So you're like, okay, let's continue trying to trying to get the gist. So lots and lots of people, and, and I, I'm at that stage right now, use television to learn a language, use TV or use films to learn a language. So I'm watching this Welsh show at the moment called Biokaluith and very lucky on the one hand because there's a whole Welsh dedicated TV channel Hmm. maybe slightly less lucky on the other hand because they don't do Welsh language subtitles for everything uh, you can get English subtitles for everything right. on S4C but you can't get Welsh language subtitles not online I might be able to get them offline for is normally like my my gut feeling about this whole like oh, I'm gonna watch some television and then it's gonna magically teach me a language my gut feeling is well at first I'll watch it with English subtitles when it starts to feel a little bit easier I might start watching it with the foreign language subtitles mm. and then eventually I'll switch them all off but I don't even have the foreign language subtitles available to me and I won't uh. like ever so I really I, th- I feel like we need to start from the start here so lots of people use television to learn a language you we keep hearing this when people mm. say how do I start a new language everybody's like watch YouTube watch television it's like what 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 do you mean what can you tell me like what does it really work yeah, that's good. You're right, quite right to be skeptical. Like I certainly wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't sort of maybe mess around with TV and films initially, certainly. And even when, like you say, when you're approaching B levels, it can just be a bit disheartening. Um, yeah, because like I've made the mistake when I started, I was learning like Portuguese at one point and I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch City of God in I'm going to get the DVD. I don't know what I was thinking. It's a very hard film to understand. I think even if your your Brazilian Portuguese is good, because it's all like um, uh, sort of tough life in the favelas, and people are probably speaking very colloquial. Yeah, Brazilian. It's like trying to watch The Wire to learn English. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just like self flagellations and. Uh, but I, in my defence, like, uh, like the situation has improved. Like I feel like. Uh, yeah, I did say this yesterday when I got interviewed on another podcast, not to make you jealous, but it's just that I feel like I learned, 
my language is like in the 18th century or something like it, like learning between the end of the 90s and the middle of the noughties like it was not a good time <laughs> for language like the resources were really limited so like the internet wasn't what it is today and bear in mind youtube only started in what 2005 or something like this so there was not you couldn't just go on youtube and find a nice short video like t- for me the resources were restricted to uh, well, they put on foreign language films at the cinema where I live, so that's okay. Or I can get like cassettes or DVDs of movies at the library, but they're all kind of like high culture-ish, you know, the French cinematic canon. It, you know, like when it's like books as well, it's like, it's all like, um, high literature. It's never like what people really like, never like trashy books, is it, that they, Mm. They get into the, you know, and even like, I used to read like the Nouvelle Obs, which is like a weekly magazine. Uh, I used to get that delivered to the news agents in my village. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it was a desert. Like it was like a wasteland for, for material. And I think people get stuck on what used to exist in the analog world, like this narrow range of like literary canon newspapers. Blech. Um, radio. I used to listen to the long wave radio in French. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this, this stuff isn't easy. Like, and I mean, it's good to have that level of challenge. And I guess like reading weekly news magazines and listening to the radio was probably pretty good for the stuff I was doing at university. Um, I think now with everything that we've got, I'm getting away a bit from your initial question, but what I'm trying to say is, um, I think now if I was starting a new language, um, well, certainly I would stick to like curated material for learners so maybe like um you know there's these kind of like soap opera type shows that they make on different language learning platforms for people who are beginning in the language um and even up to intermediate level i'd probably take something that's maybe like not 100 percent authentic but curated for my level um mm-hmm. and and use that rather than like jumping straight into tv or when I, if I was going to dip my toe in sort of TV, I would stick to things like maybe clips or shorter sections or, or I would even go down the YouTuber route and, and, and try and find somebody who's just speaking like colloquially and normally, but it's not a TV, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't think I'd go jump straight into TV and film because I think they're hard. <laughs> just, so would yeah. you personally prefer to find let me call it natural speech yeah rather than scripted speech yeah potentially yeah i mean they've all got their advantages and disadvantages because um yeah because obviously i mean tv shows they, they can do a good job of getting quite close to real life especially if the actors like have a naturalistic delivery or oh, delivery blah. although that does seem to compound the problem because some actors are very mumbly and it's like in trying to make the dialogue sound natural, they actually make it incomprehensible. I'm saying this as a native speaker of English. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, depending on the type of show and everything. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I would probably gravitate more towards things like, like podcasts, maybe interviews, things like this, where you've, there's actually quite a lot of redundant language as well, which makes it a bit easier to filter. Whereas, you know, in a script, in something scripted, you know, you don't have those pauses, you don't have those filler words or expressions. Um, yeah. And sometimes they can be a bit decontextualized. Like, um, like I think I said this at Women in Language, like sometimes when you start watching a film, it's like you've just been kicked out of a helicopter in the middle of nowhere, like Bear mm. Grylls survival style. And you have to like 
figure out what the hell's going on. I can't tell you how many movies I've seen, like in England. Maybe I'm just really distracted or something, but like there's so many movies where like you've got that first 10 minutes where you're like, what the hell is going on? Who's he? Oh, I've seen that actor before in whatever. Like you just, you just are confused. Um, yeah, you, you're confused all around. So, and yeah. then trying to follow a script and watching the whole thing in a foreign language, I can see where, where it would get frustrating. So mm. what are the biggest mistakes that you see from people who are trying to use television to learn another language? Uh, well, I think, I think it, it sort of comes down to one. I think the desire is, I think obviously it is right to tell people that they need to do things that they enjoy in their target language. Like, That's indisputable. Like, you don't have to have your nose to the grammar book grindstone, you know, all day. Like, you're allowed to read for fun or, you yeah. know, watch something enjoyable. However, um, I think the danger with TV and film is to just treat it the way you would in your native language and you just kind of stick on a two hour film and you just lie back on the couch mm -hmm. and you don't really have to make an effort. Whereas if you do that in a foreign language, Especially if you're maybe only just into the B levels, um, like it's probably not going to be, it's probably going to be two hours of, um, you know, not much, not as much fun as you were hoping for, or it'll be, it'll be, or, 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 you know, you'll just have to do it differently and you'll have to maybe watch that film more than once, or you might have to watch it. I don't know. You could even go from watching it dubbed into your language to watching it, you know, uh, in the target language with the English subtitles and then, in the target language with target language subtitles or, you know, you're going to have to make some like concessions to the fact that like you can't just switch it on and relax in, you know, mm -hmm. in front of it. Um, that's why I would say I'm a slightly bigger fan of TV shows because, uh, you're a bit more like embedded in a context, like whether it's a sitcom or a drama, you know, that like every week, um, you're going to see the same characters. It's the same setting. You're going to hear the same expressions um yeah it's yeah i love a good reality show because in a reality show basically the same thing happens especially i like competition shows sort of ah, who's yeah. the best model of this or who's the best baker and interior designer and whatever whatever they're competing about don't really care but i'll i'll watch it because it's so structured it's so formulaic like you know yeah. now they have to do this thing now they have to do this thing you sort of like now the judges are going to turn up and the judges are going to say something nice or something not so nice something judgy either way it's great exactly yeah no actually um i i tell a lie about french tv my favorite show and i'm a bit embarrassed about this and i kind of go through phases of not wanting to watch it and you know my favorite show is this program called crime crime so crime is about crimes as the name as the name suggests and it's a really like There's another program called Fait Entre l'Accusé, which is a really sophisticated sort of investigative program about crimes that have never been resolved. Whereas Crime is like a really trashy, sordid, voyeuristic program just about <laughs> horrible murders. What the French call Fait Divers, Fait Divers, which is like, like murder or rape or just awful, awful things that happen. And, um, every that? Winter Fairies? <laughs> Winter Fairies? What? Oh, fait divers? Fait, fait, so the word fait, F-A-I-T, and then divers. Oh, okay. So you often see in the paper, like, this kind of column that says fait divers. Such ah. a strange expression, because it, it sounds trivial, but it's actually for really awful stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this program, like, you could do a drinking game with it, because every week, the, the presenter, the voiceover, uh, it, he says exactly the same, like, almost exactly the same things about, you know, 
he was a man, uh, you know, with a quiet family life, living in a village, uh, you know, it's always the same because it's, it's like the focus is on crimes that take place kind of in rural areas, like not where you'd expect in big cities, but like provincial places, right? But it's just purely voyeuristic. And that, but that is really, really formulaic. And it's interesting if you're interested in like judicial language, like you hear the same things all the time, like the suspect was put in custody. They interrogated the the husband, or like all this kind of stuff. Um, so I would say that's that's probably even better than a than a kind of sitcom or fiction. Some yeah, like you say, reality or this kind of like sordid voyeuristic <laughs> shows about crimes. Yeah. So um, that's a tip. The more they say the same thing, the the better, really. Basically, the uh, if the show if there is pressure on the show to put out an episode every week, no matter what, and if um, the production company obviously doesn't have much time. The more formulaic the show, like it's incredible. Like this show, they used to have like a segment where the presenter would actually go to the city or the area where the crimes took place and they would interview like um uh, a judge or a magistrate or a lawyer like about, you know, is there a lot of crime here? Um, what are the most typical crimes? And they've cut that sequence now. Um, I think possibly for budgetary and time reasons. And they just do the voiceover and they do do interviews, obviously, with like maybe the victims or the lawyers or things like this. But they've, they've cut a segment because I think they have a lot of time pressure and they literally just must copy and paste like a lot of a lot of the voiceover text from week to week. So like that's excellent if you're a, a language learner. Um, mm-hmm. It's like Ollie Richards wrote about um, watching 24 hour news. So I think watching 24-hour news... Yeah, and they just say the same thing. They just say exactly, but that's really good if you're learning, whereas if you're, like, if you're, it's in your native language, like, you become really paranoid (laughs) and sort of terrified to go out of your house, I think, if you, if you, if all you do is watch 24-hour news channels. Yeah, Uh, you know what my husband absolutely loves, really annoys me, when we travel somewhere, he loves to watch the local infomercials. Oh. And that is heavily scripted and continuously repeats and repeats and usually has sort of, it's usually so badly dubbed that you hear the English underneath. Mm. So you'll just have like the Italian person going like, magic bullet or, and in the background you hear this American guy going, the magic bullet, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That was my American accent, everyone, you're fantastic, terrible. (laughs) So, Cara, let's talk about... This this message, or you 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 say you want to spread the message of subtitle freedom. Mm. Now I can switch on S four C and watch everything with subtitles. I never have to really worry, and mm. surely I'll still learn Welsh doing that. What is it that you know, like? Is it the fact that eventually I will feel frustrated and a little bit dumb? Or is there something in subtitles that actually hinders my learning? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, I think for the people that I'm working with, so I would say they're further along in their English than you are in your Welsh. uh, I think it gets to a point of, yeah, frustration. So it could be, it sort of works both ways. So it could be like... um, you know, they're sort of forcing themselves to watch things without subtitles because they've heard it's a bad thing, you know, because there's mm-hmm. always there's always these crazy uh. debates about subtitles, like never watch with the subtitle, always watch with the subtitle. Like it's people are sort of screaming all these like po- from like polarized positions. And um, uh, uh, yeah, so I think that leads to people going down the route of like, well, uh, you know, I've been learning English for a long time. I've got a good level. I better not switch them on or or else or I'll damage my you know, listening skills or something, or then other people might, you know, 
sort of get used to sort of having them on and then they never really feel like they can take them off. So if we stick with the first scenario, yeah, I think I'm sort of working with people who are, yeah, well, maybe use them like grudgingly, like either don't give themselves permission to use them or they use them grudgingly grudgingly, and then they feel Mm -hmm. bad about it and it actually makes them feel like worse about their English or they feel that they've become too reliant on them and they're sort of a bit scared to take them off and is usually with just a bit of a gentle push that I can help them uh, remove them. Because I do do think you miss out if you rely on them uh, too too much. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we went to see um, John Carpenter's movie The Fog at the cinema because... um, the, the cinema was organizing the special like John Carpenter night just before Halloween. And um, so they had the fog uh, in English and there were French subtitles. So like, even though I've seen the film before and um, obviously I, under- I understand English, it's my language, but like I was like really tempted to read the French subtitles, like just out of curiosity or, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to see if they'd mistranslated anything. <laughs> Or to like, I don't know, just like maybe to learn, maybe there's some new words I can learn as well, like, like that. And it is distracting, like, and that, I'm saying that as somebody who didn't really need the subtitles in that context. So I do think they can distract you from what you're watching. Yeah. It can affect your viewing experience a little bit. Yeah, so definitely. Let me, let me come back to those polarized positions that you were, you were talking about, because I've seen this as well. There's sort of, you know, I don't know. People, People on the internet, people yeah. on the internet tend to have opinions and some people very strong opinions. And I think mm. there are there are people who have a very clear story for themselves where they say, I literally plunked myself in front of television, switched the subtitles off and I just sat there until everything worked. There will, oh, seriously, there will be the one person yeah, there, who's there, actually done that. Yeah. And people say subtitles are like the worst thing, you mustn't. That It's a little bit like slow audio. You just can't seem to get a handle on like, some people say, oh, no, 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 you'll never understand people if you listen to slow audio. But it's like, if you don't understand normal people, why not listen to slow audio until, yeah. I don't know. Well, so, got- so I feel like I want to advocate, usually I want to advocate a gradual kind of path. But mm. do you, so either way, what do you say to people who say subtitles never or subtitles always and forever? Well, like, why can't we do both? Like, why can't we listen to slow audio and listen to fast audio? Like, why can't we, why can't we do, I, I like to come at it from a, position of like everything works so like in language learning Mm. everything it's not I didn't invent this I got this from someone else I follow online and on a different topic but yeah that's her motto it's like everything works so why not like throw everything at it and just kind of see you know see what works and everything's got the potential to work some people have learned a language through grammar translation and you can't you can't deny them that you know you can't tell them that they were wrong and some yeah, people some people loved Duolingo yeah some people like it, every anything is 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 it possible and I think when people sort of whip out the kind of m- this is the magic method you want to be a little bit careful because there is no magic method there is no magic resource there's certainly for listening there's no magic listening resource and I sometimes think people want me to give them that like this is the TV show you must watch because it will teach you all the English that you, you know, this is exactly the right mixture of easy to understand and, and the right language and the right, you know, and it isn't true. Like, I think that sometimes happens with TED Talks. Like somebody decided or people keep advising people learning English to watch TED Talks 
because of the subtitles, because of the transcript. Mm-hmm. And I think subtitles and transcripts are great, but it, you sh- shouldn't necessarily watch TED Talks just because there is a transcript. It's like um, I have a group on Facebook for people that do really love watching TV shows and, and uh, films. And, you know, I kind of coach people in the group through uh, about, you know, what they're watching and their difficulties. And uh, I had somebody want to join the group and he said, I don't watch TV, but I want to start watching TV in English because I think it will help my listening skills. And I actually wrote to him and told him, I don't think you should join this group if you're not already like a TV fan. Like go off and listen to the English that you need to understand. Because, again, TV isn't like a magic resource. Um, mm. You know, uh, uh, yeah. I think most people are better off listening to something that does sound like normal people talking, whether that be a TV show or a podcast or a YouTube video, more than a TED Talk, because a TED Talk is a very specific kind of speech because it's pre-planned and you've got slides and the delivery is slower. Yeah. So listening skills, you, your your view is kind of like, yes, TV works, but it's one of the things that works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, it really, de- it sort of really depends on your, on your, on your purpose. I can't tell you what to listen to. Mm. So let's talk about, let's talk about getting rid of subtitles. Mm. So like I was saying before, my, my natural, my gut feeling would be, so like I can do on Netflix, right? On Netflix, mm. I can, um, I can watch something in French. I can watch it in French with English subtitles. I can watch it in French with French subtitles, mm. which is can be really frustrating because the subtitles don't capture necessarily what the actor is exactly yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, true. Or I could just watch it without subtitles. And that would be my gut feeling for a natural progression. So when somebody comes to you, mm. how do you work with them? How do you guide them through this process? Well, usually by the time people, the sort of people that come to me, they... Um, they're sort of well past the stage of, you know, dubbing or using native language subtitles. Not that they maybe don't use them. I've had some people talk about the creative ways that they do use native language subtitles, even at quite advanced levels. Um, but yeah, so usually they're, they're, they're more likely to be using the English language subtitles. Maybe the, um, maybe their own language if they still need some support, like with grammar or vocab issues. Um, but yeah, so usually they're probably at the stage where they are using the English mm. language subtitles. So the English learners watching English with English subtitles. So what's the process you take them through? Right. So uh, yeah, so I would, um, you know, have a look at what they're, what they're watching, what they're doing. And then it's like anything to do with this thing. You start like diagnosing the problem. Um, so I would do that by giving them, you know, bits to listen to, to transcribe bits that I know that will be difficult so I can hear what they're struggling with. Um, I would also want to know like what exactly they think their problem is. So, you know, are they sort of, are they panicking when they miss bits? Do they think that they need all the cultural references? Cause that is an issue in TV shows and films. Um, and, uh, you know, usually I point out that like, you know, in a, in a particular clip, especially if it's like a US TV show, I don't get a lot of the cultural references. I, I have to, I have to, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not going to stop watching my series to go on Wikipedia. <laughs> I can t- check some kind of baseball reference, like, you know, life, life will go on. And what, what I'm trying to get people up to the, the point where they are, um, able to catch like, uh, 80% of what they hear. 
For me, that's mm. a good benchmark for once you're at, at like an 80% level, then I feel that you can turn off the subtitles quite comfortably, get most of what you need, you know, turn them on or rewind or whatever if you really think you're missing like an important bit of the plot. Um, but yeah, I suppose that is actually a really, really important point because some people have said to me, but I want to understand 100% and I think I can get there. And, and I'm like... Well, I don't think I'm there ever, uh, you know, and it's my native language like you, you know, don't. I think there's this sort of danger of kind of overshooting the the, the mark and wanting to be perfect. Mm. And it's not really about you have to be, be able to settle for some imperfection. Um, but, you know, 80 percent is really, really very good. You know, a lot of people can barely catch 20. So I think that's definitely a good. Yeah. A good thing to, that's a reasonable aim for the type of people that I'm working with that have already done a lot of English and, you know, it's more just like confidence building and some specific listening, like technical stuff that we're working on to help them. Um, and that's usually enough to kind of push them over, to push them over the edge. No, but to, to, for them to actually have the confidence to then switch the subtitles off. But, you know, if I did this for Welsh, I probably wouldn't do that with you at this stage because I don't think you're ready. <laughs> you, mm. Yeah, you would, you would probably have to spend, you'd probably have to spend more time actually maybe learn, like literally, um, this is something I do ask people about, you know, you might be at a stage where you just don't have enough English, like maybe your grammar is a bit patchy or you've, you haven't got that much vocab. So in, in that case, it's not really a listening problem. It's more of an English problem in general. And in which case you'd probably benefit from like using the subtitles and even using mm. the subtitles in your language to really help you actually learn more English rather than work on listening. So does that, yeah. does that make sense? So at a, if my language is at a lower level and I'm thinking so many, so many of the show's listeners, so many native English speakers, you know, who are learning another language, this tends to be, um, we, we tend to have a lot of people who are, you know, like me, we're sort of maybe somewhere on an intermediate level, mm. but intermediate can mean 10,000 different things. And it certainly doesn't mean you can just kind of kick back and chill with like three hours of, of Welsh reality TV with no subtitle. Unless, yeah. you, unless you just go, well, it's okay, because he just, you know, like I can see he knocked the wall over. Maybe he said something about knocking the wall over, whatever. <laughs> like that's, that's how I watch it. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Well, again, but... again, like again, you can you can do a bit of everything. You can do a bit of just of just watching for, yeah. for fun, just passive, whatever. Yeah. So what are the benefits of doing that when your language is at a lower level and you're saying, it still improves your language, but just for your listening skills specifically. Oh, people, because people get frustrated. People get frustrated. Sometimes I, I get letters from people saying, Hey, I'm, I'm really frustrated because I just don't understand connected speech. I don't understand fast speech. I don't understand mm. natural speech. And why do the Germans keep swallowing the, all the articles? And I'm like, this is good. You don't have to make the noise that corresponds to the correct case because you can just go duh but then at the same time when the germans don't do it then you don't know what the case is you don't know what's happening yeah but i actually think most grammatical problems are actually listening but because because a lot of the non it's a bit fancy word the non-prominent words mm -hmm. in, in, in any language mm. um, in french as well you know it's things like articles prepositions auxiliary verbs are the hardest ones to catch yeah because they're never stressed 
Yeah, and that does make it hard to then, I think even like for me in French to make that association between the gender of a noun uh, and it's um, between the, yeah, just between a noun and its gender because the article isn't always pronounced clearly or people kind of pronounce a thing that's between le and la. I probably do that as a fudge for when I'm not sure, which is more often than I'd like to admit with certain words. So um uh, so yeah, well, I, in that case, I would probably like not over rely on passive listening. Like, why not? Just sometimes you just can't be bothered, can you? But you still want to immerse yourself in the language. Well, accept that you can, but it probably won't do too much for you. Or you can listen to songs or, you know, you can just passively listen, but then like don't become overly reliant on it and don't only do that and then complain <laughs> that you don't mm. understand um but I think the problem is like listening is quite badly it's quite badly taught or badly kind of addressed in a lot of language learning like it was kind of um you know like when I was doing languages at school it was just like occasionally you will like stick on a tape and then you have to answer some silly questions um it's not really it's not really very helpful um but I did used to passively listen to French because I thought, well, at least then, you know, I am listening to something. But then try also at the same time to kind of actively get what they were on about. Because when you're listening to the radio, which was my case, that's actually really tough because you have no written information anywhere. Like at least with some podcasts, there are transcripts. So you, so you can go back mm-hmm. and you can look at what you've missed. Uh, so, yeah, like. Again, if everything works and you have total permission to throw everything at it, but at the same time, if you are at a lower level, you probably want to find material that's like more curated for you or look for shorter things and definitely look for anything that comes with a text of some kind. So subtitles or transcript or something, just so you can actually go back and check. So you can actually, instead of like complaining, oh, I didn't understand, you can actually go and check, well, what didn't you understand? Um, you know, and then that's where you actually start learning something about your listening instead of just like being in this, oh, I'm just going to practice and then it will get better. Um, Mm. you know, I I don't know. Yeah. I'm not too sure about, you know, people talk about practicing and habits and doing the same thing every day and getting into it. But I think sometimes if you just kind of do that mindlessly and you never actually reflect on your practice, then how do you actually improve, um, yeah. That's an interesting point that you're making and, and sort of the the last question I wanted to ask you was about solo learners. So perhaps mm. do, how and, and perhaps with what kind of resource and in what way might you recommend sort of um, if we're talking three or four steps that a solo learner can take so that they can improve their listening skills and build their confidence in mm. listening and then perhaps approach that long off but maybe possible for 10 minutes at a time or five minutes at a time subtitle free level so what do we what do we do to increase our living listening skills that you've seen work uh yeah well like get hold of some kind of text definitely so have a browse around the easiest way to probably do it is to go on youtube and look for videos in your target language and then filter that those videos so there's a filter option on youtube and you can filter by subtitles or closed captions. So usually when you do that, you'll get a video with accurate subtitles um, instead of like machine generated 
Although, mm, although, and this works in any language. That's amazing. In theory, it should. Like, it, sh- it should. YouTube will, will, will only give you back videos that have actually been checked. Mm-hmm. I mean, double check that, but it should, it should work. Um, and then, you know, on YouTube, you have the option not only to switch on the subtitles, but you can actually open the transcript. Um, you can do it under the video where there's the three dots. If it's a subtitled video, you click on the three dots and then it will say open transcript. And then a transcript will open on the right of the video. And it's really cool because you can actually click on any line and it will play that line. So if you had a bit of trouble catching a bit, you can go back and you can actually see the words. You can try pronouncing them. Um, you can replay them as many times as you want. So that's like, that's like a miracle, isn't it? Like, and it's free on the internet. Like, thank you, technology. I didn't have that when I was young, um, listening to the long wave radio. So definitely like playing around with texts. Um, yeah, going on YouTube. If you do want to work with like, um, movies and stuff because you just like that then um, maybe play around with looking for things like trailers or just clips from movies like you know it's not that you can't you know I'm just wary of, t- of telling you to like watch a film for two hours because it is it's hard um, so yeah you can kind of um, either watch films in scenes or kind of kind of go through them more gradually or like use clips and you know um, switch on those subtitles when you need them or, um, you know, try doing, um, best listening, the best listening re- like t- technique I think is doing dictations. I think that can really, really help. So listening to bits, writing out what you hear, checking with your text. So that's why like, there's no magic resource, but there are some techniques that are kind of magical in a way. Um, and that's one of them. So, uh, is that three things? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, definitely finding text, finding shorter, shorter videos, shorter, shorter chunks of things, working with shorter chunks and, um, and doing things like dictations or pronouncing sections, getting your tongue around them as much as your like ears. Um, yeah, I think those things help a lot. So we've got dictation as one of the good listening comprehension exercises. And by that, I assume you mean listen pause write some notes on what you think you hear exactly back and check and then check well check um check not so much by well listen back a few times and then check with the actual text or subtitles Mm -hmm. um yeah so that anything else and anything else and like don't be afraid to like you know again like like you don't have to it's not all or nothing so you can like switch subtitles on switch them off uh, use your own language subtitles, use the target language subtitles, you know, you can kind of mix and match all of this stuff. Like nobody's going to come and like hunt you down for not doing the right thing. <laughs> Cause, um, you know, it's all, they're all tools. It's all just tools at the end of the day. And you can, you know, you can use them, um, you know, to help you, um, you know, and you don't have to like, um, restrict what you do. Um, yeah, you know, so as long as there's the focus, it doesn't really matter how long you watch. Um, yeah, well, do you don't want to exhaust yourself either? Like, um, like whole movies can be a bit tiring. So you might want to either like break them down, or I don't know. Certainly, like, yeah, there's languages where I couldn't. That I have studied where a film would probably be, yeah, it'd be too much. Yeah, S- mm. or swap out your film with a TV series. 
or a YouTube video or something more like manageable. It's not because you're watching it for two hours that it, that's like two hours of listening improvement. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about it's not about like volume or quantity. It's more about like what yeah what you actually do with what you listen to, which is why I like things like dictations. That's what I get my clients to do or like to like try and repeat stuff as closely as possible to how the actors are saying it and things like this, like that are like really active um, and take a bit more effort than like just listening, but that will be more beneficial in in the long run. Um, Yeah. But I think that one in volume is important because the same, it's the same with like speaking people like, Oh, I need to speak like as much as possible for as long as possible. And I don't know. I don't always think it's about quantity. Mm. Um, I like that. Repeat things as closely as possible to how the actor is saying them. Yeah, it's hard, um, mm. but it it does help to make you aware of how things really sound. Like even if you're not going to pronounce them like that, like it, yeah, helps it go into your ears a bit more. Mm, excellent. So we've got a few we've got a few steps that anyone can take. And what is the best thing, or what what do your clients tell you at the end so if they if you really really focus on listening skills what's the payoff what's the payoff um well i think it it all comes down to like you know what we're actually using language for which is like to connect with other people and like when you get rid of subtitles you sort of open yourself up to like better communication in the real world because you don't have subtitles when you talk to somebody and that's not a reason to not use the subtitles right it's not because we don't have subtitles in real life that we shouldn't use them but that is a reason why we should focus on listening and using the most useful techniques to get ready for that and to have better conversations and more you know meaningful conversations um where we're listening to other people and what they say and what we hear also enriches our language because um you know more more input more i don't know better output i think Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. that's really cool excellent well cara do you have any um any website that you'd like me to send people to or anything extra that we can you know maybe those exercises that you share where you go into a little bit more detail uh yeah i'm trying to think there's there'll there'll be stuff on the blog uh about that um Mm -hmm. and even with actual examples but for english not for um, other languages, unfortunately. So people can find that. At, um, my website is leo-listening.com. Um, mm-hmm. so, so if you're an English learner, definitely check that one out. And I know that some people do listen to, well, some people even listen to The Fluent Show to improve their English. So <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, they're smart. Like, they are smart. Mm. Uh, thank you so much. Dankeschön. <laughs> and um, yeah, we also have a, a fluent ep- a fluent show episode that focuses specifically. It was a Q and A, so it's just a solo episode focuses specifically on listening skills. So if you liked today's episode, you're also going to like episode seventy eight. And I'm going to ask Kara for a little bit um, a, a little bit of a link to searching YouTube by subtitles. That's going to be in the show notes for today's show, as well as links to all of those TV shows that Kara mentioned and anything else that she can throw in to help you guys develop what she calls subtitle freedom. So that's Kara Leopold. Thanks so much, Kara, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, and I always say goodbye in a specific way, <laughs> which is the, the universal challenge way. So it's goodbye from me, goodbye, and it's goodbye from Kara. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.